Okay, this morning I am reading from Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 16, from the New International Version. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so, somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. This is the word of the Lord. Starting to come through. There we go. Good morning, church. Um, Today's a wonderful day, isn't it? Yeah? Um, Now, I thought that Francis did a wonderful job with that Bible reading, but I've got a problem with the the Bible verse itself. It's really hard to understand. In fact, you kind of, when I first read through it, it's just like, no, I don't get it. It went through one ear, out the other, over my head, all that sort of stuff. Um, So today I'm going to preach on something a bit different. Um, I'm actually going to preach on coffee. Because only coffee matters. Um, You see, what would church be without coffee? Who in their right mind wants to do anything on a weekend morning without the temptation of of a freshly brewed cup of joe? Francis, yep. We'll we'll pray for you, that's okay. Um, that, That bitter aroma of freshly ground beans, the sound of steam escaping the urn or the milk frother... Now, if only Jesus had coffee back in his time, um, and if he did, he probably would have worded the Great Commission a little bit differently. It would have been, go and make disciples and bring them cups of coffee so that they too might bring others cups of coffee. Only coffee matters. Am I right? Yeah? (laughs) Um, Okay, confession time. I speak to you today as a a hypocrite. Like Francis, I... um, Two, haven't been saved by the miraculous power of coffee. I am not a coffee drinker. This, this, is, this, is, this is hot chocolate. So I think I'm unfortunately missing out on the true meaning of church. And if only there were parts in the Bible that could give me some encouragement and direction that I, so that I don't have to stand before you a complete fraud. Um. There is a pretty good strategy, though, when it comes to having Bible verses that you, you don't quite get, and you kind of read and go, oh, I'm not sure. Um, and that strategy is you actually read a different version. Okay? Fun fact, 
every version we read of the Bible is a translation. Unless, wait, who here is fluent in, in ancient Greek? John, you're, you're probably close, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, the message version um, is shunned by some people for some good reasons, but it is a version that was written in a more simple vernacular. Um, so Francis, can you come back up for us and would you like to read out um, the message version of that same passage? I really like the message version and that's the version I use. But last time Dean and I went away, I left my message version where I went. So I have to wait to get it back. <laughs> okay. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 16 from the message. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I use to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had for me is insignificant. Dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. I'm not saying that I have all this together, that I have made it, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But I've got my eye on the goal, where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal, those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, Let's stay on it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you again, Francis. <sighs> dog dung. <laughs> By the way, that's the only time the word dog dung appears in the Bible. Um, now, if you didn't get it before, I hope this new version was helpful. Um, I'm going to be jumping between the versions um, throughout my sermon, so um, if you get a bit lost, just Go back to the original Greek to find out where they all come from and it'll help you. Um, this passage is all about what matters most. It's all about the one most valuable thing, the critical part of the Bible and the reason that we meet together. Not coffee, only Jesus matters. Um, now I'd like to think that um, to some extent most of us who are here today know that already. The effort it takes to rock up to church in the morning is usually due to at least some thought of the value of Jesus. Um, maybe, maybe you're here today and you know none of this yet um, and are not sure what you're doing here, in which case, can I just say you're welcome and you're more loved than you know. 
So let's have a look at what Paul is talking about in his understanding of Jesus. To start with, um, does anyone know what the most, well, a huge significant moment that happened this week in the world? Does anyone know? Nickelodeon Leaver Stars? No. Um, in the USA, someone won the largest jackpot ever in history, in the lottery. A total of $3.15 billion. That's the number there that they won before tax. So obviously it's like only $2 billion or something. Um, how do you think the winner of that prize, one person, would feel about this $3 scratchy, my first ever scratchy I bought for a sermon illustration? Um, <laughs> I could have won, I scratched it beforehand because I figured if I did it during the sermon I won something, then you'd be left here whilst I was like running around, yeah! Um, I didn't win anything. Um, but how would, you, how would the winner of that $3.15 billion feel about this $3 scratch sheet which could have won $50,000? What is this to someone whose bank account has more than 10 digits in it? I'll tell you what, so the level of excitement that they had when winning this compared to if they won $50,000, would be 0.0015% the level of excitement. And if the winner of this, this jackpot, well, the winner of that, won this, it's the same as if they had put this amount of money in their bank account, earning 5% interest for three hours. But in saying that, an extra bit of money, it's inconsequential, Right? They're not going to turn it down going, oh, no, money. They're going to, okay, chuck it on the pile. It's not a bad thing, right? Just a bit more money. Now, Paul, he had every reason to boast. Um, he says just before this passage that we read um, that if someone else thinks that they have more reasons to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Um, circumcised on the eighth day uh, of the people of Israel, uh, the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, regarded the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, uh, but, and as righteousness based on the law, faultless. He was a bad guy, right, for persecuting the church, but he did it in the defense of the God that he thought he knew. Okay, So it was for him good, and for the Pharisees good, and for the Jews good. He was right. He was worth a lot. He was a good guy. But then he says, whatever were gains for me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Now, who thinks Paul was bad at maths? Because surely if you have good stuff and you add it on to other good stuff, it doesn't equal a loss, right? How, how could the good stuff that he done equal loss? Surely they brought value to the world and they meant something. They were good, right? You see, the realisation Paul has is that he was trying to please God and others in the energies of the flesh. He was trying to prove by himself that he was worthy. All that matters, however, is Jesus. Now comes the best part. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. Now, this is my favorite thing in, in the message, the fact that they include this. Other translations have different words. They say sewer trash or garbage or some say less than nothing. Um, but, boy, it doesn't seem the words dog dung in your Bible conjure some real strong imagery. 
what makes you think of something good as dog dung? Dog dung isn't just, isn't just like worthless. It's offensive. It's crude. It's unwanted. Even the new billionaire would accept $50,000, would accept money. It's money. It's, it's fine. So how can Paul compare his life, the good things that he's done, his achievements to something as disgusting as poop? Compared to the greatness of the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, any effort to earn favour with God is worthless. Only Jesus matters. What is something you might put before Jesus? Is there something in your life that you think to yourself, if only I were better at this, then people or God would like me. They would accept me. Guess what? It's dog poo. Only Jesus matters. Now, hopefully we're on the same page here. And for those keeping score, um, I've said only Jesus matters five times now. Um, There's a few more along the way. Now, Jesus is so important that according to Paul, nothing matches up. Um, So how should that make you feel? What are you going to do about it? Um, Later in the passage, Paul, who at this point in his life, he is in prison. He is very close to being killed. It's estimated this is written during the last couple of years of his life, all of which he spent in prison. Um, And he's reflecting on this. He says, Not that I have obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, I'm going to bring out two words in this, the words take hold. Um, Because going back to the original Greek, you can kind of look at what does it mean to say take hold? Um, And the best way I can describe this is through an image. And who here is a fan of AFL? Fine, okay, I'll still talk about AFL, but you'll need to go watch it and enjoy it. Um, picture this, it's the dying moments of the grand final. You're ahead by a point, but your opponents have the ball. The person with the ball is running towards you, running past you. You're the last line of defence. You know if they get past you, they're going to score a goal and win the game. There's only one thing on your mind right now. Only one thing matters. You need to tackle them down. When Paul says, take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me, it's this image. It's not a, like a pat on the back. It's not like a, uh, like a, a little tackle or, or something or a shoulder as they go past. You need to hold on tight and not let go. Everything matters. Everything, it's the most important thing is that tackle. I have two beautiful daughters, um, and they are the two most important things, or two of the most important things in my life. Now, if my oldest, eldest, um, Alexandra, falls over and starts to cry, the very first thing that I'll want to do is to get down and give her a hug, holding onto her tight. I hold onto her to reassure her, but also to reassure me that it's going to be all right. Like we saw just, just in the, the chat when... Um, what was his name? Uh, Emmaus? Yeah, when he fell over, his parents rushed, gave him a hug. More important than talking to us, absolutely. I take hold of her to show her that I care. We hold on to protect, and we hold on so that we don't lose. If Jesus is all that matters, then we should hold on to him. We should cherish and cling to him. 
And it even says, uh, Paul even says, there's that image of and that promise that Jesus Christ will take hold of us as well. And he's not going to let go. So two things so far, knowing who Jesus is and taking hold of him, taking hold of that, that knowledge. But this is all very self-centered, right? This is all about me and, 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 and kind of my, my relationship with Jesus. Um, and it's also very much focused on life after Jesus, right? What our lives should be like once we actually know him, once we truly know who he is. So what about the rest of the world? What about those who don't know him? What about those who don't even know the significance of knowing him? Because really, if you think about it, if all of this is true and that only Jesus matters, and if people understand it, then wouldn't it make sense that everyone should be a Christian? I'm at the early stages right now of um, planting a church. Um, and I've already learned so much about it and um, have barely even started as well. Now, whilst I, can, I can't tell you what time our service is going to be, where we're going to meet, what sort of coffee we're going to be <laughs> giving to people, um, I can tell you that the world out there doesn't believe that only Jesus matters. Not at all. For some of them, it's only money matters. For, some, for a lot of people, it's only family matters. Only individual rights matters. Only freedom of speech matters. Only advocacy matters. And for a lot of people, it's not just the one thing. Maybe there is no greater meaning. I want you to have a quick think right now about this question. If the church could offer two or three things, what would you want it to do? If the church could only offer two or three things, what would you want it to do? What would you want from it? Just turn to someone around you and just kind of go and answer it. See what comes to mind. First thing that pops into your head. Yeah, right now. Turn to people. Chat. Tell them. Okay, time's up. It's a good question to ask. Now, some of the things you, you might have thought of, some of the things you might have been discussing will be exactly like people don't go to church um, and, and what they believe. So some people, if you go and ask them, they want, I want the church to care for the homeless. Fantastic. Really good. I want them to provide, like, work on foreign aid or provide a safe place for those struggling with addiction or protect the environment. Okay? And I hopefully, in your discussions, you realise that even within this congregation, we, have a, we probably have a really extreme and diverse idea of priorities and, and kind of what, what the church should do, and that's fantastic. If you're a Christian answering that, I hope you, the thought came to mind at least that the church should bring people closer to Jesus. Uh, if it didn't, maybe it's time for you to really reflect, reflect on what your personal idea of the church is. Is it just a charity? Or is it something bigger? What matters most? So the world doesn't believe that only Jesus matters. And honestly, they're not going to want that from the church. Our job is to share that good news. And the way that we do that is through offering ourselves up to the communities that we're a part of. We do those things like caring for the homeless, foreign aid, all those sorts of things. We bring people together with events, 
We create fun and safe places for families to enjoy. We raise awareness for needs. We um, give time, resources, money, manpower when it's needed and appropriate. But we don't do it because only charity matters. We don't do it because only community matters. We do it all knowing that only Jesus matters. And if he truly matters as much as Paul says he does, and as much as I believe he does, then everyone needs to know. Now, the outside world doesn't know him. And they need the church to do something that they seem deem to be good. Even if, compared to what we know we can offer, it's dog poop. I want to just share this quote. I was... Um, I read out my sermon to my wife, um, Annalise, last night, um, just to kind of practice run it, um, and she's like, oh, I had this awesome quote that I screenshotted from her um, daily um, Bible reading, um, so I want you to just have a look at it and let it sink in. Uh, it says that Jesus could have spent his life responding solely to the needs of the people who came to him, but instead he stayed focused on his ultimate mission, healing and freedom for the whole world. He learned to differentiate God's work from good work by regularly retreating in solitude to pray, following his father's lead even when it seemed counterintuitive. We follow the Father's lead and we stay focused on the ultimate mission. Um, I just want to finish today um, looking at the, the verses 13 and 14 where um, Paul is saying that he doesn't consider himself taken hold of it. But he presses on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called him heavenward. Um, so he's saying he does not consider himself to have taken hold of it. Wait a second. That was what I was just talking about before, right? How we should take hold of Jesus. But here's Paul saying that he hasn't. Now this is Paul, the author of most of the New Testament. Paul the Apostle, who many, in fact, I probably deem second to Jesus, right? He's pretty big. He's pretty influential. And this is at the end of his life. This is when he's already planted most of the churches around the world, okay? He has done incredible things. He's on death row currently, and he's saying, I'm not there yet. I haven't got it. He's going to run out of time, right? Paul knew he wasn't perfect. Don't you, doesn't it tick you off sometimes when you hear that someone say that they've achieved perfection or the total enlightenment? Um, but humility is knowing that we aren't Jesus. We haven't achieved perfection. Um, but we can move forward and we can press on towards him. I love this quote um, by Muller. Um, it says, Just as a little child is a perfect human being, but still is far from perfect. And if you're a parent, you know exactly what that's like. In all his development as man, so the true child of God is also perfect in all parts, although not yet perfect in all stages of his development in faith. Only Jesus matters. He's got a hold of us, and we need to take a hold of him. We do good works out in the world to ultimately do God's work, do God's mission. And finally, none of us are perfect, not even Paul the Apostle. Only Jesus matters. Dear Father, I thank you for today. We thank you for the, um, the image you give us of life that isn't centered on you. And God, it may be crass, it may be crude, but it's dog poop. And we thank you, God, that what Jesus provides, 
who he is is so, so incredible and so amazing. Pray, God, that you will help guide us. Show us that we don't need to be perfect. Help us to grab hold of you and just go. And show the world, God, who you are. In Jesus' name.